on this week's show, we get the lowdown on Welling United's move to Tunbridge Angels with Radio Wings' Nigel Jones. The development of part of the flats will secure Welling's future. There will be a 4G pitch going down, so it really is vital because and the facilities need updating. We need new bars, we need new club offices, we need everything. Frustration for Sittingbourne as their game at Littlehampton is called off late in the day. We have from boss Ryan Maxwell. There should be something where both managers and both sets of players are happy for the game to go ahead, then the game should go ahead. Enjoying their push towards the playoffs, we hear from best of boss Kev Stevens. I remember sitting there, first training session in pre-season, and thinking, my God, there's playoffs, everyone's going to spend more money, it's going to be even harder. But the fact we're in it has just made for such an exciting season. And getting the love back for football with Corinthian manager Michael Golding. It's never been about me, it's not about me at all, but to do 400 games at the same club, uh, a club I love, when I look back over the, the nine years, I think we've improved the club. And welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast, sponsored by Sandwich Town Youth FC. We are back after our short hiatus, and it really has been quite the period since we were last with you, both on and off the pitch. And we've got three interviews for you that hopefully you will enjoy. I'm John Phillips. I'd love to tell you that I'm fighting fit and refreshed after the break, but my current sound should make it very clear that that's not the case. And on the now is the man who, to be honest, I've really missed over the past fortnight. Matt Gerrard, how are you? Not bad, but I've got a bit of a cold as well, which I'm spreading around the family. So, Lots of uh, it going around, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I think um, blame the kids basically, but yeah, I think it's hasn't been that cold, but yeah, a lot of sniffles going around the office and things like that. So, uh, for, you know, fighting, you know, keep on going, John. That's that's my motto. Well, talking to keep on going, you sent me a very impressive text message about our friends at Sandwich Town, Matt. They are in a a great run of form, aren't they? Is that like they've won every game since November the fifth? Uh, on course for promotion, and then and then it gets and then they're allowed to have competitive league tables. So I don't know how he knows they're on course for promotion this season. Um, and then they're also getting heavily involved with Deal Town, which is great to see. Yeah, good community. I think um, Steve King is giving them some of the players some coaching. So uh, southeast, uh, um, southeast part of England, Premier Team Deal Town with better better crowds <laughs> and Dover doing really well. So. Uh, yeah, little, yeah. Good luck for them, and um, I'm really pleased for for Nick. He's been a labour of love over the last year, and it's coming to fruition. So really good stuff for him. So uh, yeah, if you're in the uh, sandwich area, and uh, or we want to get our kids involved in football, please uh, get in contact with Nick Cunningham. If you don't know his number, contact us here, and we can put you on board. Absolutely, yeah, and, and of course I, on Saturday, say there will be the the ball boys uh, and mascots for the Deal Town game on Saturday, and Steve King will be helping those players out as well before uh, before the game. So it's, it's 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 really good, and you know, given that they've come from nothing, what what a great achievement! Well, within five years, they'll probably be going ahead of Dover in the uh, yeah. football standing. So uh, good luck to them on that point of view. I was going to say deal, but that will be sooner than that, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, now, before we move on, we've got to do some shout outs, Matt. Uh, we're not going to yeah. tell people why we've got to do some shout outs. If yeah. you know, you know. So here we go. Ballam, Neil Salter, Mark Wilson, Aaron Jones, Peter Gearing, Trevor Nell, at BHL Book, Matt Britt, Dave Hook, Orion Anna, that's a reluctant one though, Anna, uh, Dave Merricks and Fiona and David G, plus their mum, seemingly, who didn't even realise she was getting herself in line for a shout out. Uh, thanks to all of those people. Right, we'll move Is on. Is it the banana thing today? I wasn't going to tell them, but yeah, they all did. Wow, we have got listeners. That is impressive. Thank Absolutely. you for anything like that. Well, yeah, and, and, I thought, and, was I saying, um, what was the word? It no, was banana sandwich. And I'm just going to say, Matt, we haven't actually introduced him yet, but Nigel Jones, did you say the words banana sandwich on social media? 
No, I definitely did not. Then good evening, Matt, and good evening, John. No, yeah, I didn't. Mute, mute him again. Mute him again, Matt. Mute him again. He's not one of us. <laughs> no, no, do you like a banana sandwich? My dad uh, loved banana I haven't, sandwich. I haven't had a banana sandwich for years. Yeah, but, yeah, they are nice. They're very nice. I think it's a generation so, thing, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Again, but, like um, I had to talk about a generation thing. A guy working in our office, lovely guy. He's like 23. He didn't even know who Black Adder was today, and, and no. it's getting to the sort. Of, it's getting to sort of the game of. When we mention stuff, if he doesn't know who it is, we sort of give ourselves a bonus point because we're sort of educating him at the same time. Excellent. And um, I will just say as well, uh, I did mention uh, Fiona and David's mother. I uh, was out for dinner to celebrate uh, Fee's birthday. And uh, just in the middle of, of the meal, uh, she just looked at me and went, I like a banana sandwich. And I had some in my mouth. And literally that week I was like, <laughs> I was like, of, of all the weeks to mention that. So uh, that's mm-hmm. how you uh, how you get your shout out. That's not, that's not a euphemism, is it? No, it's uh, no, it's really not. Um, <laughs> oh, mate, come on! You know they listen. What are you doing yeah. to me? Um, it's our two hundred eighty-fifth episode this week, and that is the number of variations possible with a binary-rooted tree with thirteen points. As if you didn't know that already. <laughs> I also found myself on a website called the Connector Warehouse, where I learned all about the Wago. I shouldn't say it. Uh, two eight five series. Now I'm a journalist. That means absolutely nothing to me. But I'm sure there will be some people out there who know exactly what that is. But Connector Warehouse, Matt, is that the sort of website that you're looking at? No, but there is other there is other websites available, but we won't go into that. There are lots of websites available. That's not the one for me. Uh, right, let's get on with the Sorry, show. Gonna... That would be David's average attendance next season. You think that many? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, really, that's positive. Uh, Let's get on with the show then and we'll start with the big story off the pitch this week. Uh, Well, Welling United have announced they're going to be playing at Tunbridge Angels from the start of next season. This is going to be while proposed works are carried out at Parkview Road with the club in a statement saying the temporary move to Tunbridge presents the most viable option for the football club while the forthcoming works take place and is a necessary measure to ensure that the club can return to its Parkview Road home with its sustainable long-term future secured. Uh, that's a 55-mile round trip from Parkview Road to Longmead. That's a fair old stomp. Uh, we can sit here and pontificate it as much as we want, but when you know experts, it's best to get them involved. So with that in mind, you've already heard him. Uh, we're delighted to be joined by Radio Wings commentator extraordinaire and friend of the show, Nigel Jones. So Nigel, you've known about this move for a while. And uh, First, I just wanted to put your Welling United supporters hat on. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I say good evening. Um, my from Wellington United supporters hat on. I can understand there's been quite a, a bit of uh, resentment from the supporters because, as you just said, it is a 55 mile round trip, which is, you know, on a Saturday, that's going to be not too bad. But Tuesday night is going to be like really difficult. So um, this has been going on for a while and it's great that it's been finally announced so that it can get out there and open and, and it can be discussed. Is it definitely a, 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 a done deal? Because you wouldn't announce it if it's done. I understand as well there are, um, you know, they have to get it done in plenty of time so that it can all go ahead for next season. Because we'll talk about it shortly, but you're still hoping to be in, in the National League South. So I guess there's there's lots of hoops to jump through, is there? Yeah, it, you have to let, um, I'm led to believe that you have to let the National League go and possibly even the Isthmian League know where you're intending to play next season. So that's why it has to have been done now. Um, as I say, it's been ongoing for a while. The It has been, um, I, I do believe it has been signed, as you say, it's been announced that the deal has been done. I think there's still talks going on. Um, there's a, a, actually a planned meeting next Wednesday night, which we'll discuss in a moment. But um, as far as I'm aware, I've spoken to the owner, I spoke. I speak to him regularly, and it's as, uh, it's as done that we are going to be um, 
relocating to Tunbridge Angels for possibly two seasons. It's been mooted a couple of years that they're going to put flats on the road side of um, Parkview Road. You know, if you know the ground, you'll know it from there. Has Is there likely to be work's going to start? Because am I led to believe they haven't had the permission through of that yet? Is that right? Well, yeah, this is the problem is that the still, we're still waiting for the planning permission to be approved by the local council. And this is the, the, the trouble is that... Um, Ideally, Welling would like to move out in the end of the season in April and start next season at Tunbridge Angels. Um, but the planning application still hasn't been approved. So, I mean, that could take a long time. We're saying we're going to be moving for possibly two seasons. If there's objections to the planning application and that gets put back via appeals and, and you know, the general what happens, um, that could go on for longer. And that's what the, the a lot of the supporters are worried about is the fact that we, you know, we don't really want to move out until that plan application has finally been accepted. How important is this development to, to Welling United? I mean, I've seen a lot of supporters saying, you know, flats not uh, fans, not flats and things like that. Uh, is it crucial for the club to, to get this done for, to safeguard the long term future of the club? It, it is, John, because at the end of the day, the ground at Parkview Road, it's decaying. There's no other way of saying it. it's decaying. And um, sooner or later, it's not going to be hopefully fit. Well, you know, it won't be fit for National League status. And that's the thing. And <clears throat> the development of part of the flats will secure Welling's future. There will be a 4G pitch going down, which, will, as you know, can be hired out during the week, used by other clubs. That will also allow Welling to bring in the ladies team, um, the uh, Welling United deaf team and the academy sides. They'll be able to play some games at Parkview Road. So it really is vital because and the facilities need updating. The, we need new bars. We need new club offices. We need everything. It's, it, it's, it, we need a whole new facility to, to keep Welling United going because at the moment, we are struggling game to game. You know, there's lots of things that go wrong on a match day. And um, we need to have a more sustainable future. The other issue with this is um, Erith and Belvedere um, share the ground with you. Um, and, they, and they've got a, a long term lease and they've got to be part of that lease. Is that they, Welling have to sort of provide them with a, with a ground and they're not willing to move out. So could you have the scenario that Welling aren't playing next season and maybe the Erith and Belvedere side of the ground is the only part of the ground actually physically open? Well, this is this is one of the things that's been discussed at the moment. And one of the things that the the, the fans, the Welling fans are not happy about is they're worried about how can we move out and we're here if the Belvedere stay and continue playing their games. As far as I'm aware, me personally, I would have thought that once that whole site becomes the building site, yeah. that would mean it, it shuts down. That would shut down and it would become a building site. So I don't exactly know how... Erith and Belvedere stand on that. You're right, they have still got 26 years of an agreement to run. So whether they would relocate to, say, possibly Phoenix, somewhere like that for, you know, that the development time and then come back to Parkview Road, that's an option. But as I say, I'm not not too sure where the negotiations are going with Erith and Belvedere, but as I say, they are a very important part of it. And I suppose the difficulty as, as well, Nigel, is with where... Welling is the the area of Welling, and we'll be talking later on in the show about Welling Town as well. But there's no immediate space that you could earmark for a new stadium, is there? I mean, I, I know that would also be very costly, but you are effectively building a new stadium on the same site. So, uh, the, the, but the difficulty is, is green space is an absolute premium in the area where you are. 
that's right and the, the the unique thing about welling united is that it's on the high street of the of the town that it sits in so that's unique i know the uh, welling united academy have just purchased a site over at foots cray which they're intending to develop and do some fantastic work over there they're going to have 4g pitches and i believe they're going to be building some sort of stadium um over there but um yeah we want to stay in welling it, it, that is the 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 uh, the upshot of it is that we definitely want to stay in welling but as you say where you know there's no there's no easy fix for this you know we need a ground that's going to with national league south status that we can go to and you know unfortunately like bromley was mentioned unfortunately that wasn't available ebsfleet and dartford they wasn't available cray wanderers building into their new ground rightly so they want to move into their ground and they don't really want to share which i can fully appreciate so it all comes down to the fact of we need somewhere that can hold National League South games that, that fixes that ground grading. Is there a concern? You know, we've seen it before that, you know, teams travelling when Brighton went to Gillingham, that, you know, Welling have got good hardcore support. That could be difficult for people to go because you might have a lot of games on a Sunday if Tombridge are at home, etc. like that. It will be difficult for a while for, for that support to, to travel that distance. And what have, what have the board have said about that? Are they going to subsidise the costs, etc., for fans? Well, there's been talk of like laying on coaches um, to, to ferry supporters down there. Um, how popular that will be, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, hopefully we do keep our National League South status and we would um, start the season well next season. Um, and then that would hopefully generate some in, uh, some uh, interest from the supporters. But as you say, games are possibly going to be going on a Sunday. Sunday is usually a family day. Um, so, you know, it's going to be very awkward. And not only the weekend games, it's the Tuesday night games. It's the Tuesday. I mean, me, myself, obviously I do stuff for Welling on home games, Radio Wings away games, but I won't be getting home till gone midnight and I've got to get up for work the next morning. So mm. it's it's not ideal. It's not ideal to say the least. But at the moment, it's not, you know, there hasn't been a lot of options. I suppose the difficult thing as well is you've got to keep your National League South States now because if you are going to be playing at Tunbridge Angels, the National League... System. I mean, I, I have no time for their fixture schedulers anyway, but they would be able to make it much easier that Tunbridge Angels and Welling were at home on alternate weekends to avoid the Sunday issue. Whereas if you were to drop into the Isthmian League, as we often see with Cray Wanderers, Cray Wanderers are always playing on a Sunday uh, because of clashes with Bromley. So I guess it makes it the, the next few months even more important, Nigel. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's really important that we uh, we keep the National League South status. Um, and as you say, it, they're, they're, the Isthmian League, we could be travelling anywhere. We could be playing on any day. We, we just don't know. So hopefully the National League would be kind to us and, uh, you know, appreciate the situation that we find ourselves in. I take it the, the um, again, with no physical money coming in from the bars, Again, they will probably a little bit from Tunbridge Angels as well. The the owners willing to subsidise this for a couple of years while the the um, work will be done as well, because that's always a big concern. You won't have as much money next season coming in to to spend on the squads. Well, I believe that um, part of the the development deal the, with the developer is that they will uh, heavily subsidise the club and keep the club up and running. Um, so that would be part of that. But as I say, there is a planned meeting next Wednesday evening at Parkview Road for the developers and supporters and the owners uh, to to come together to to discuss all this because the fans have got concerns. And 
they want to the fans want to know about like the planning application how how's it going uh, the possible relocation, you know, w what would happen if we do have to leave and there still hasn't been planning permission. So there are a hell of a lot of issues that supporters have got. And thankfully, the owner and, and the developer has decided that, you know, these these issues have to be addressed. So that's why they've called this meeting for next Wednesday night at, at Parkview Road. Do, do you have any idea how, how close the planning application is? Because, I mean, we've seen other, other clubs elsewhere in other areas have been have been waiting years to get a piece of planning permission. I think you can look at Margate have probably had that as well. So it, surely it's really important that that planning permission is is completely in place and and that work is ready to go because it would be absolutely ridiculous if you were to uproot, say, right, we're off to Longmead now and then for the whole of next season there'd be no work done there and, and you committed to, to playing somewhere else. So realistically, what's the timescale of the work actually starting, of, of the, the, the diggers going in, so to speak? Well, as I say, as far as Welling are concerned, we'd like, or the club would like, um, the diggers to come in straight after the last game of the season, which would be in April. But as you say, you know, the timescale is the, it's a, the the planning application is, at, is up on the local council's website now. And that's open to, obviously, people to give their views and uh, submit object objections. I'll say that could take a while. That could take like a while. And if it does get, um, you know, they, then obviously them objections have to be listened to. So really, um, I mean, I, I, I don't know whether this all will be sorted out by April. I don't know, but it's um, it's a worry. It's a concern. It's definitely a concern. Is there concern from residents on that high street about this? Or is it you think people um, want the flats and, what, and think it's the best thing for the local area? I think there might be some concerns because I don't think there's a lot of uh, parking that's going to be implemented as part of the development and the roads around Welling, you know yourself, Matt, when you yeah. come to Welling, sometimes it's hard to park your car. Yeah. And it's Saturday in Welling. We've got, you know, two great big uh, shops up the road. We've got Morrison's and Tesco's up the road. So it's really busy in Welling as it is. So trying to find parking is going to be hard. Well, if you're going to have 104 flats there as part of that development, then them people, chances are they're going to have one, if not two cars. Where are these people going to park their cars? So there are, I think, I believe there are some, have been some objections already. I don't know how many, but um, it's one of the things, like I say, that's going to have to be discussed at this meeting because, um, as I say, there are some real concerns. And in terms of the stadium plans themselves, Nigel, I'm guessing this stadium is going to be National League uh, ready. It's going to have the, the right number of seats. And, and Ultimately, in the, the day, you don't want to be building this new stadium to just stay where you are. You want to use it as a, a way of pushing on and, and making the club get back, well, stabilise where it is initially, but get back to the National League. Because, you know, when I was growing up, when Matt's work colleague was was still a glint in his, in his dad's eye, um, you know, I always remember Welling as being a National League team, you know, or Vauxhall Conference as it was back in the day. So, you know, you, you've got to make sure that this this stadium is 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 ready for the future, isn't it? Absolutely. And I say that will be with with the development will come you hopefully new function rooms. There'll be function rooms where you can like people can hire it out for weddings and, and things like that. Obviously, they will have new bars. There'll be new club offices, new club shop. The 4G pitch will go down. Hopefully, as I say, that can be like rented out during the week to clubs. And it will also, as I say, bring in the Welling United ladies team, the Welling United deaf team. So their supporters can come down and watch their, their teams down there as well and all be under one umbrella. And it's, it is vital that the development has to go ahead. A development has to go ahead to, to, to um, make sure that ground is sustainable for the future.
It's as simple as that. They they need to uh, redo the ground. It's a, it's a lovely it's a lovely ground. It has got character, but it is starting to show wear, and it needs to be addressed. I see, Matt. Some of these uh, some of these flats look out over the pitch. Do you fancy one at Crabble? Uh, not at the current state we have to play, but it's just, it's it's an interesting one. This for Welling, isn't it? So, for Nigel's sake, I hope this goes across. But as you mentioned earlier, John, we've seen planning permissions for football grounds take a long time. Um, look at Maidstone. Look at Dartford. Um, the words you don't want to hear are called in by the Home Secretary. And especially yeah. with, let, let's face it, a, a probable change of government coming this year, uh, you want to get these through as quickly as possible. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. You know, the, the developers there, you know, I think I saw in the programme that the developments looked absolutely lovely. Um, you just hope um, that it can get through and Welling aren't affected by this because, you know, as I mentioned, Dartford and Maidstone were a long time away from their homes and fortunately they got back but looking at part previous things john these don't take five minutes do they they don't uh, on the pitch though uh things seem to be looking up nigel a great win on tuesday night against worthing high flying inform worthing and you're only one point behind taunton now taunton do have three games in hand on you but even though i've just seen they've sorted out their problems with the hmrc uh, this ill-advised ground share they've got with truro there's still 20 games to play on that pitch this season, uh, Matt, you're going to see Taunton on Saturday. But uh, first and foremost, uh, Nigel, massive for the wings at the moment, isn't it? Uh, uh, and, you know, Rod String has come in and he's got everything going in the right direction. Absolutely. Last night was a brilliant performance, possibly, in my opinion, the best performance of the season last night. They played against the Worthing team that, in my opinion, plays the best football in the National League South. The way they pass and move, the way that they pick out people, they're not even looking sometimes. They just know that they're going to be there and they're really good on the ball. Last night, first couple of minutes, I looked at my clock, the first three minutes, and it was all Worthing. They were like peppering the Welling United goal. Welling United started coming back into it and then we started pressing them up higher. And it was it was a it was a brilliant performance while the first half was the best first half, the first half that we've played this season. Second half. Uh, we lost a man. Anthony Grant was sent off on 83 minutes. So that's put us down to 10 men. We was 2-1 up by then. Um, and then it was real backs to the wall. But then Sonny Fish, who's one of Rod Stringer's signings, scored a goal in the 100 and 101st minute. And it was just a brilliant performance last night. Rod Stringer, fair play to him. He's come in and he's uh, he's not mucking about. He's, he's told the players what's expected. And he's very, very vocal on the side of the pitch all the time, encouraging the players. You know, barracking the players, get back, stay in formation. And so far, touch wood, I mean, they, they, they're they doing well, Welling. They are doing well. Sonny Fish, I mentioned to you, Nigel, when he signed, he's a good player. Um, yeah. Uh, again, and, and, and from what I've seen Welling this season, all they've lacked is a potent striker. And Fish could be the man to do it. Reese Grant, see, he scored. You know, he, he wasn't great at, Do at Dover, but his record's good. So I think Rod Stringer, you know, You've got a manager there. Like you had a manager like Danny Bloor who knew this level, but I think Rod Stringer, again, he's a wily old character who knows a lot of players. Um, and that, and that's so far so good. But apart from the Barnet game, again, you had chances in that. Um, so far, it's been a brilliant start for him, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's not only brought in Sonny Fish, he's brought in Jason Adigan on loan from Charlton and yeah. him and Fish up front look very, very good. Every time they get the ball, you, you they're, they're running at the defence. And as you know, the defence, if you're running at a defence or you've got pace, that's going to cause problems. 
He's also brought in uh, Gene Kennedy and, uh, as you say, Reese Grant. The second goal that Reese Grant, Grant scored last night on 59 minutes. Absolutely fantastic goal. That had been in the Premier League. They'd have been talking about that on Sky Sports for ages. And we've also brought back Teddy Perkins and Che Cravenden. I think Che Cravenden's uh, back for his, I think his third stint at Parkview Road. So he's 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 addressed the team. He's brought in some players that he wants. Um, a couple of people have moved on. Unfortunately, we had a nasty injury last night to Will Wood, who went uh, off in the 70th minute. He's got a nasty injury. We're still waiting to see the extent of that. But um, like I say, he's he's bolstered the team. And he, he's, as you say, he's a wily character. And they are... When when um, when we played Taunton, when you was there, Matt, and I said to you, you know, there was a chance you know, the, the sort of the trap door was sort of opening because I thought the trap door was closing. But since then, they've got their unbeaten in five. They go to St Albans on Saturday before playing Truro next Tuesday at Parkview Road. Only one point behind um, Taunton. And as you say, uh, John, Taunton have got a lot of problems where they're going to have to fill a lot of, uh, you know, filling games. And I don't know how they're going to do it. No, absolutely not. And I think that's that's the big thing. And and it's been talked about so much, all the trouble that they've had. But for me, it's it's, it's the home games is what's going to hold them back. I know Truro have got more to play than they have. But I don't understand what's gone on there in allowing that ground share to happen. I know Truro have got to play somewhere. I completely understand that. But it's the 21st of February today and they've got to fit 20 games in on that pitch in the next two months. You know, that's, that is a lot of games of football. And by... by the start of April, that pitch, which is struggling as it is, you know, games are being called off at the moment, despite the fact that there's not even that much rain about anymore. You know, that pitch is going to be in a really, really bad state. And, and you know, I kind of fear for both of those teams in that aspect. And obviously we talk about Welling moving to Tunbridge. Well, I mean, it's hardly Truro to Taunton, is it? Absolutely. And and I've spoke to, I spoke to one of my colleagues that does um, some uh, media stuff and radio commentary for Bath. And he said that he's heard that uh, Taunton's pitch is already looking doubtful for, for this Saturday already. So, um, as you say, there, there, there's there's a lot of games being called off and there's no sign of any sort of like, how are they going to fit these games in? And that's the thing that's going to play into the hands of, of Welling and, and possibly the team about a mile away from where I am now, uh, who both looking a little bit of uh, a little bit of form. It was a massive win for Eastbourne Borough uh, in that game uh, on on Tuesday night. They beat Haven at Waterloo. And... I hate to say this, Matt, but I've got a feeling Dover might be down. So let's not talk about them. Um, but, you know, from a Welling point of view, I can hear in your voice, Nigel, that the belief is back. Oh, absolutely. As I say, uh, um, before we played Taunton, um, uh, Rod Stringer came in and I spoke to Matt and I said to him, you know, if you'd have asked me last Saturday, I'd have thought we was it would have been too much. But we had a Great result at Hemel Hempstead Town. You know, we've been picking up points ever since. We're, I'd say we're unbeaten in five league games. Um, the belief is there. And last night's performance, I mean, it really was a fantastic performance. If they can play anywhere like they did last night against St Albans on Saturday and then Truro, there's more points to be picked up. And um, it's amazing how someone has come in and, you know, there was there was doom and gloom. I say that Danny... It's fantastic man is Danny Bloor. Still keep in contact with him regularly. But it was probably getting a bit stale. Probably needed a change. Rod Stringer's come in straight away. He's addressed what we needed. He's spoken to the owner. He's had the backing to go and get the players that he needs to bring in. And there has definitely been a transformation. And all the supporters last night, the atmosphere in part of your road last night, there was only 509 people in there. But you would never have known it because the atmosphere was unbelievable. And Matt, you saw Dartford at the weekend, a, a 2-1 win for them at Crabbled. Have they turned the corner? They've obviously got a big game uh, themselves on Saturday at home to the aforementioned Taunton. 
Um, again, I think they would probably deserve the point from the game. Um, Dartford, better team in the first half. Again, I'd be concerned where their goals are coming from. And, and I don't think and Tony Berman was delighted they got a result. They lost to Slough last night. I don't think, you know, not having a manager or not confirming, yep, Tony Berman's going to the end of the season or no, we're going to get a new manager. I think Dartford, as a club, need to make a decision. Um, we're going to get a new manager in, bang. No, Tony Berman's getting his just to sort of end that concern. Because if, if Dartford lose again, you know, oh, we need a new manager in, it's, I don't think that's really helpful. And Dartford have been well run for a while. And it's just something's not right there. Dartford could attract any number of managers. So, but again, maybe they feel that Berman's the best thing, best chance. But I think end the uncertainty. You've got to end the uncertainty, like yeah, you say. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. they've got 37 points. Um, from 33 games, which is five more than Welling. Welling have got a game in hand. In between those two teams are Truro and Taunton, who've both only played 29. Um, and then you've got a little bit of a gap to Weymouth, Western, Chippenham, Farnborough. You know, and then you're sort of getting into teams that have already got 45, 46 points. So you'd kind of look and say those sorts of teams are not far off being safe, but barring a an absolute nightmare of a run. So Dartford are still very, very much in this mix. And I guess, Nigel... You would be looking at that, thinking, "Well, we'd love the darts to um, to 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 get sucked into this," and and I, I suppose you'd love it if you were to stay up at their expense. Uh, I know a lot of Welling supporters that would love that. Me personally, I wouldn't. Um, I I want Dartford Welling games. I love the dart. I love the local derbies, the local Kent derbies. I love. I'll be it, hazarding so. a guess that won't be your Boxing Day next year. You'll be playing at Angels. Well, <laughs> well, this is this is a problem. But I mean, I do love the Dartford or Welling games. I know Dart. I. I speak to Dartford supporters regularly and um, I know the rivalry there for Welling, how much it means to the Welling fans. And I do love them games over the, the festive period when you turn up on Boxing Day and, and New Year's Day nursing hangovers. So um, I'm hoping, obviously, that all of our Kent sides will, will you know, escape and will be playing in National League South next season. I'm pretty sure one of them won't, but let's let's gloss over that one. Um, <laughs> Tumbridge Angels firmly in mid-table. They are 12th. Uh, they drew uh, with Welling at the weekend, didn't they? And then... Um, they lost at Braintree on Tuesday night. So uh, I think probably their playoff hopes may be over. Uh, Maidstone have had a little bit of a blip. Um, they were beaten at Averley on Monday night. A really good goal uh, in that one as well um, to, to to help them to that win. But uh, they're only a point inside the playoff places now, Maidstone. They've probably got other things on their mind this week. Uh, in case you're not aware, Monday night they and a sellout away crowd head to Coventry for their FA Cup fifth round tie. The last 16, unbelievable. Uh, I'm not sure there's too much more we can say about this amazing FA Cup run. They've beaten Ipswich, so I would imagine there's going to be absolutely no fear in any of those players on Monday night, Matt and Nigel. Yeah, a fantastic opportunity. Um, we can go to penalties that game, so I think there's no reason Maidstone could defend. Um, pretty tightly. Um, Coventry getting up and down in the championship. It's a, it's a tough argument. I don't know if Coventry are playing on the Saturday as well, are they? For the, I think they are, the yeah. League? Yep, so Maidstone aren't playing. Oh, um, strange things are happening. They're going to enjoy it. Um, hopefully we get our friend Nick again to do a little vlog about it. We tried to get some Maidstone players on, but we couldn't get any this week. But um, we wish them all the best anyway. And if you're a Maidstone fan, enjoy the occasion like you've done all season in the FA Cup. Absolutely. Maidstone have been brilliant in the FA Cup, flying a flag for non-league. I believe they sold their four, I think, I think they've got four, four and a half thousand tickets, which is sold. They're going to go up there on a Monday night. They've got nothing to fear. They can go for it yet again. Um, they've got ex-Welling player Sam 
Captain Corn and uh, Cheers and Olim in their ranks. So um, Sam Corn's getting all the uh, the uh, the media attention at the moment, and rightly so because he's he's been playing fantastic for them. So uh, yeah, great stuff, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Really looking forward to seeing that, and hopefully, as I say, they they went to Ipswich and. You know they pulled off an amazing victory there, and there's no reason why they can't go up to uh, to Coventry and and do the same. I think the the thing is is obviously much like with the Ipswich game, all the pressure is on Coventry because everyone is expecting Coventry to win and win that game well. Uh, but Maidstone United, you know that no one was expecting them to to go to Ipswich and do what they did, and I guess that probably has made Coventry maybe they might go a little stronger than they might have done. They will know not to take this Maidstone side um, lightly, and and you know it's. They've done so well. It's it's incredible. It's really put the club on the map. And and it, and, and I imagine for for both of you gents, they're playing the same league as you. Look what it's done for them. How amazing would it have been if things had gone the other way, Nigel, and this had been Welling United going all the way through this this cup competition? Oh yeah, I mean it's it's, it's given Maidstone the, the the media coverage that they've received, and not only Maidstone, like Ramsgate as well. You know, they've done fantastic too. And it would you know Welling United. The last time we, the furthest we've got is within in, uh, against Blackburn in the FA Cup in the third round in the 80s. But it's the the whole town of Maidstone must be buzzing. The merchandise they must be selling, the tickets, and you know the media interest is is brilliant. And uh, and long may it continue. And Matt, one day, one day maybe Dover might get to the first round again. Well, as I say, um, it's now a calendar year and 25 games, John. I've seen Dover in the last, since February, or 1st of March till the end of February this year, and I haven't yet seen him win. So FA Cup first round is a long way away. I would just <laughs> like to see him win one game in my presence. Well, that would be nice. He won't be there on Saturday, so they'll probably win at Chippenham. Uh, it's Dartford against Taunton, St Albans against Welling, as Nigel said. You'll be able to hear him on Radio Wings and Tunbridge Angels at home to Slough Town. And then Tuesday night, Dartford at home to Averley and, as Nigel said, Welling at home to Truro. So a big, big game that if you can take four points out of those two, Nigel, I reckon you'll be happy. Oh, absolutely. I'll be delighted. Um, St Albans, tough place to go. Definitely a tough place to go. But I say the confidence that must be in the Welling side from uh, from defeating Worthing on Tuesday. And then Truro come to Parkview Road, as you say, next Tuesday night. Chances are they'll be travelling on the day. Long journey. You know, as I say, um, hopefully Welling can get some more points. And um, it's looking really, really positive now for, for Welling, hopefully to, to maintain our National League South status. Brilliant stuff. Well, thank you for joining us, Nigel. Much appreciated, as always. And uh, massive good luck to the Wings for the rest of the season. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Take care, Nigel. Like, isn't it great, John? Somebody having positivity as a football fan. Absolutely. I don't even know what that is anymore. No, we should have him back. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Positivity, Christ. Yeah, I know, unbelievable. Eh? So, yeah, but yeah. then I think people like the doom and gloom, mate. So it's, 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 all, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's uh, move on to the Isma League Southeast now, where there was a change at the top of the table as Crane Valley PM took advantage of their game in hand on Tuesday night to leapfrog Ramsgate. Uh, they're still unbeaten. Uh, the Millers are a point ahead. The goal difference is exactly the same, so it's safe to say that it's tight at the top. Now, leading the chasing pack are Sittingbourne, who'd won seven games in a row before their 3-0 home defeat to Chichester on Saturday. They thought they would have the chance to bounce back on Tuesday, on Tuesday night at Littlehampton, but the game was called off due to a waterlogged pitch just 40 minutes before the scheduled kickoff. Early on today, I spoke to the Brickies boss, Ryan Maxwell, and started by asking him about that late call-off at Littlehampton. Yeah, extremely me. I mean, we're in the corner, you know, and... Uh... To say that I was frustrated is another statement made. Um, 
played in so many games uh, with the pitch is a lot worse and also managed games with the pitch is uh, far, far worse than what it was last night. Uh, I'm not going to uh, say too much on it. Um, I know the referee, apparently, it was, his, it was his first game at that level. I'm sure he was um, you know, a big decision for him. Uh, you know, myself and the, and the opposition manager believed it was certainly the wrong one. And, uh, you know, listen, uh, we all have to start somewhere uh, in what we do. And, you know, further down his career as a referee, will he make that decision? I very much doubt it. I very much doubt it. Um, the game should have went ahead, but it didn't. Um, and that can affect his decision, I'm afraid. With it being that close, had you started your warm-up? I mean, obviously, you were all at the ground and, and, and ready to go. Were you on the pitch when it was called off? Uh, my team were, yeah. Um, we we were ready uh, in terms of getting warmed up, uh, albeit just a few moments into our own uh, preparations. Uh, but the ball was travelling absolutely fine across the surface. That's the main thing. Yeah, there was, there was areas where it wasn't bouncing particularly well, but uh, within a few moments, with an experience, you know that that then changes as the game goes on. Um, once you're running over those areas, it does change. So, as I say, um, you know, I'm not going to chastise him or, or point the finger too much because, as I say, he's had to make the decisions first game at that level and, and, and he's, he's gone with that. You know, the game won't be played and I have to respect it. Didn't like it at the time. Neither did the other manager. We both were on the same page, you know, because we, we knew the game should have went ahead. Um, we both wanted it on for different reasons. Um, so, yeah, very frustrated, mate. Generally speaking, taken away last night, it is a problem that we're seeing more and more of these games being called off. Do you think there should be some sort of rule in place about what time these games can be called off and things like that? I mean, City to Littlehampton is no mean feat on a Tuesday night, is it? No, I mean, it's only when you, when you hear people's individual stories of how much effort it takes to get there, you know, um, that you really have to have something in place to safeguard these things happen. I mean, he's only turned up and saw the pitch, you know, at, let's say, 6.30. Um, what's stopping anybody coming to see it earlier? And um, you know, obviously, when there should be something where if both managers and both sets of players are happy for the game to go ahead, then the game should go ahead. That's what I think. I think the decision should be made. If two managers can't agree, then the referee then makes the decision. If both managers and both sets of players are fine to play the game, then why shouldn't they play the game? Because it's it's them who are playing it. Um, you know the referees not in any danger, so I think there needs to be needs to be that it's happening far too often, as you say. Um, I have said something uh, yesterday regarding. You know, unfortunately, I just think it, it's far too easy in uh, a lot of ways in life just to, to throw the town in or to to not attempt to, to give something a go. Um, you know, we should have given that a go at least last night, and I'm sure had you done that, the game would have been played. But it's happening far too often. There's too much financial uh, loss individually for people you know I've got boys that have taken three hours of work you know to then so not being paid for three hours then the days are pitiful to get there and I have to do that all over again whenever that uh, fixture is re-raised for so um, certainly something needs to be done um, to, to help um, you know, to, to not, some scenarios like this not happening again yeah definitely I suppose it's extra disappointing because it brought you the chance to, to bounce back from a, a rare and disappointing defeat on Saturday yeah, I mean Saturday was it was a, a, a tough one to take Saturday because it was it was moments it was just moments of uh, of poor play that were punished. 
uh, from Ulster, and um, you know, for a fair play to Chichester, um, they were they were you know, worthy of their win, but uh, it was um, a tough one because he said playing so well uh, with seven straight wins, where you know, with due respect to everybody, we didn't see that coming, um, not not in the manner which it transpired anyway. Um, so. Yeah, we were very keen to get back on the horse and uh, to put that right. And uh, my boys were troubling a bit last night. Uh, so another kind of bitter blow to, to take. Um, having travelled all the way there, want to bounce back and, and get back on the horse. And, uh, and it's taken away from me. So can't, can't affect it now. I just have to, have to look forward, you know. Uh, generally speaking, though, you've got to be pleased with how the last couple of months have gone. It seems like you've really got things going in the right direction and, you know, absolutely flown up the league table. Yeah, I mean, I'm an advocate of just uh, always saying to my players just do the job they're supposed to do and that's that's why I was brought here. Um, you know, I'm only doing what, what, I, what I was asked to do and what I agreed I would do. So, um, playing UK, I'm just pleased that it's, um, it's positive. Um, you know, it's, uh, we're approaching the final furlong, so to speak. Still a long way to go. 12 games, we've got 12 games. That's a, that's a big post of the season, but we're in a position of strength. Um, I mean, I, I, I generally think we we're a, a few points shy of what we deserve, but with 12 to go, who knows what can happen there. Um, we still have the same goal. The goal is has is, been to, to threaten a promotion spot, and, and, and that's where we are. So we're, we're, we're on course, um, and uh, you know, who knows what can happen in the, in, the, in the final few games of the season. I guess for you, you know, the top two have been brilliant so far this season, but there must be something you're thinking, well, let's hope they get a little bit nervous as the, as the end comes. Yeah, I mean, this isn't my first rodeo, you know, so I, know, I know exactly what can happen. I've been involved in teams or played in teams where, you know, certain teams have choked, um, but big time choked, and uh, only had it reminded to me recently when Bishop Stockport won their league last year, they were something seven points behind the five games to go or something like that. It might be might be more um, and then we'll want it so you know you just have to make sure you're in a position to capitalise with uh, if anyone does slip up um, so yeah listen but we will approach one game at a time cliche I know but still it's the truth um, it's served us well to this point and uh, obviously they play each other uh, Cray and Ramsgate and we have to play Ramsgate so there'll, there'll, there'll be an opportunity somewhere and just have to make sure that we're in a strong position when that time comes Looking at the crowds, they seem to have picked up from where they were when you took over and, and everything moving in the right direction at Woodstock Park. Yeah, certainly. It was 330 there on Saturday. Um, it's gone. And really disappointed we didn't give them the win. Uh, but yeah, on, the, on that side of it, it's, it's, it's going well. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's growing. It's growing. And that's, that's part of my, my job as a director of football as well, to take keen interest in that. And I'm doing what, what I can in the club. By the scenes are doing great. They've got a great fan base anyway, but you know it is growing nicely, um, and uh, long may it continue because it does help uh, in every way, shape, or form. You know the the, the clubs at these levels are, are certainly uh, the main bedrock is the fans. You know without them there are no clubs. So you know hugely important, um, and we're still going to try and get more to the gate before before the season's out. Uh, I'm looking out of my window now, and I know you're at Hyde on Saturday. Are, are you confident that one's going to be on? Uh, well, I don't have a crystal ball, but uh, if I was a gambling man, I'd probably say it's minimal 50-50. Uh, let, let's be uh, let's be honest. Um, but listen, we, uh, again, I don't control the weather. Um, I'll just control what I can control it to, to tomorrow night's training session. Um, 
focus fully on the game, expect it to be on, uh, prepare for it to be on, and uh, and just act accordingly. And just finally, just you, you want to just win as many games as you come to down the end of the season and see where that puts you? Certainly, I mean, as I said, there's, there's 12 to go, uh, 36 points. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot, a lot. You know, if, if, we, if we won every game, you know, I'd be, I'd be really surprised if we weren't in the top two. Um, there's a lot of twisting tails to be had between now and then. As I say, I know that from experience. Um, and uh, this, at the end of the day, we are where we are. Um, I am I'm pleased where we are. I've got to make sure we stay at least where we are and uh, put pressure on the top two as best we can. You know, Matt, there's some people I just always enjoy talking to, and, and Ryan Max was definitely in that camp. And um, made some really interesting points there about that call-off. And, and I've got to say, his view of if both sides and the players, the managers, are sitting there saying, let's play this game, then surely they should play the game, no? That, that, uh, uh, again, the remit of a football match is called off. Is it dangerous for the players, I presume, that somebody might get hurt? Is that... Is that I think that's what it is. I think that's why we see more of it now. I think we, it's their health and safety, and and I guess f- where there's a blame, where there's blame, there's a claim. And I don't know if there's match officials that are worried, that are panicking, that if someone were to get injured in a game that they've said can go ahead, that they could get sued. Um, I don't think that would be the case. Um, but you know, as he said there, you know. We've made that journey. It's cost us money. It's cost our players money. It's cost them time off work. And supporters as well have made the journey all the way down there. And, and you know, everyone there was saying, let's play the game apart from one person. And that just seems to me to be, you know, not the right way to do things. I think he's got a valid point. If both teams wanted to play and, he's, uh, and they're happy to play and he thought the conditions were fine, they could have played the game. Unless Chichester, again, they're concerned that, the pitch is going to be ruined by playing this game. So it is a, it is a difficult one. I felt for Sittingbourne. But um, I think is a lot of clubs seem to have this. It's just not, it's more and more prevalent. If again, if you think that, if you think it could be called off, call it off at two o'clock. Don't wait till half seven, things like that. They've I got think to that's be a difficult year. Obviously the referees are all, Amateur, semi-professional, well, uh, however you want to be. So, so you know, there's you get a lo- as he said, you must get a local ref or something. The club start of the season, you get somebody. We say right, there must be a better way of doing this because it's only going to get worse. The weather that's coming up as well is not looking good. Make it easier on clubs. Um, but I've got a funny feeling as we mentioned the administration of the National League South. Maybe these other leagues as well think they've got more more priorities, but. The only thing this affects is clubs travelling. City would have to go a long way twice and players losing money. That's the thing, isn't it? And we have this in the National League South as well, where, where the distances involved are are longer, you know. And Sittlehampton, uh, Sittingbourne to Littlehampton is, is, is not a, a, an easy journey by any stretch of imagination. I mean, I did Sittingbourne to Eastbourne enough in my life and that's tricky. And then Littlehampton's a long way along the coast from me. Um, and that's... It's difficult, and and you know I feel obviously this game has been called off at some point in the in the past as well, um, and again I don't know what the solution is, but you just end up spending all this time. You know the last couple of months it has been wet, and and, and I read an article in a magazine the other day saying this is going to keep happening because of global warming. We are going to have wetter winters. This is going to be the way it's going to be. You know, and these leagues have all got to get these games in by the end of April. You can't extend the season. So 
what's the solution? Is the solution to start the season earlier? Is it to try and finish the season later? But then you've got to take into account other everything else, you know, and all these play- teams that have got 4G pitches are, are absolutely laughing because their games never get waterlogged off. But ultimately, I think what I said there is someone should inspect the pitch three hours before the game, four hours before the game. If there's no rain in the air and the pitch is playable, then I think you've just got to say, right, let's get on with it and we'll try. I think Ryan Maxwell would probably have been happier if that game had been abandoned after 50 minutes than not started at all. Yeah, yeah. And maybe the Football Association said about 4G, 3G pitches, maybe they make it easier, more grants for clubs who want to do this going down that route um, to, to, to help them out in that situation. Maybe maybe 4G is the way to go for clubs at this level. But again, not everybody can afford it. So maybe that um, the FA and the Premier League, again, these, the footballing authorities can help out grass football, grassroots football a little bit more, as you say. This, this seems to be getting work gradually worse and worse every year and it's not going to change uh, looking at the climate situation. No, but going back to Sittingbourne though, what, what a great job that man is doing at, at Woodstock Park. Yeah, it's only their fourth defeat of the season. Um, it's quite a shock there. I was speaking to somebody, the guy at work who follows Ramsgate and he was a bit concerned about Cray. I said, oh, you've got to be concerned about Sittingbourne as well. So um, I still think it could be a three-horse race. But again, we said about Ryan Maxwell, I mentioned... Uh, I think I mentioned him in dispatches maybe for the Dartford job. He did a good job at Braintree. So he knows the level, um, doing an unbelievable job at Sittingbourne and probably on a fraction of the budget that he had at, um, at Braintree. So, yeah, a manager on the up, I would say. Um, Sittingbourne, uh, I've got, I'm reaping the rewards of him at the moment and he's doing a, a really good job, probably at the start of the season, John. he He's a different X factor, I think, from where Sittingbourne could be. He, I think he's that good a manager at this level for them to really uh, go on and he could be the difference come the end of the season as well. If it may be in the playoffs or automatics, I still think they've got a bit of a chance. As he said there, Matt, that the pressure is going to be on those two teams above them because especially Cray Valley, all the time they're unbeaten, everyone's going to be raising the game against them. Everyone says Ramsgate are are the big spenders. You know, they've brought in some more really quality players this week as well. So everyone's out to knock Ramsgate off their perch. Well, those two teams have got to play each other, you know, so all he can do, Ryan Maxwell, is exactly what he said there. Win as many games as you can and be ready if one of them slips up. and that, Or both, if both of them were to slip up. You know, stranger things have happened. Um, you know, I, I think he, he referenced Bishop Stortford there saying how they came from, from, from a bit back to win the league last season. And it can happen, you know. And, and I think all he can do is, is keep level-headed, keep winning. And you look at some of the players he's got there. He's got a good side there. Uh, and if he can keep players fit and, and hungry and get these games on, because I think, you know, the game at Hythe on Saturday could well be another one that falls foul to the weather looking at the forecast this week. Um, but I think they've, they've just got something there. And and as I said to him there as well, the, the crowds are going up. Yeah, they're still not at the level that they might be if their ground wasn't in the middle of nowhere um, or if they, you know, and not the same as some of the other teams in that division. But from where they were to getting 300 people through the gates on a Saturday, that shows the the job, the effectiveness of Ryan Maxwell, doesn't it? I say he's he's too good a manager, I think, at that level. And sitting more, are lucky to have him um, and enjoy him while you can, because there will be clubs higher up the pyramid who who, who will take him. Because I think he, he is he's probably managing at a level lower than he should be, or even and the two th- levels. The thing is, as well, Matt is. If they get in the playoffs, which looks pretty likely now, 
I don't think anyone would fancy playing them, even Cray Valley or Ramsgate, because they'd have the dis- one of them could have the disappointment of, of not winning the league, or both of them if Sittingham going to win. But if if you come into a playoff and you've got to play Sittingham, I mean, we saw last year how Ramsgate uh, lost in the playoff semi final, and, and you know Ryan Maxwell, I reckon in a one off game he will fancy his team against anyone. Oh, absolutely, I, I think he, you know, bad day at the office against uh, Chichester, but the rest of it, I think he's quietly happy there, and, and he sounded a confident man in his interviews. Yeah, great to hear from him. Thanks for your time. As always, uh, Rams gave more than a 1,000 fans in Southwood on Saturday for their late win over Broadbridge Heath after offering free entry. Although several of those supporters did contribute to an appeal for Rams skipper Mike West, who's trying to raise £9,000 to help fund a season-saving... I wrote myself a a tongue twister here. Season-saving shoulder surgery. Got through it a second time. Uh, It's a lot of money for him to find, man. And once again, it illustrates that life at these levels of football is so tricky. Yeah, £9,000. Private, yeah, good player as well, West. He was he impressed me in the cup run as, you know, his leadership and um, his ability on the ball. So yeah, uh, <clears throat> Ramsgate are good to get the community involved and free day to get money for him. So really pleased about that. And I don't know how long he's how long it's going to be. I think he's got four thousand pounds of it. So hopefully he can get the rest and carry on, which has been a great career in the football league and, and non league. So yeah, he's been a, a good servant for the game in the county. Absolutely, yeah. They're, they're all details from Ramsgate social media uh, of that appeal. Uh, Herne Bay fifth in the table in the final playoff spot after their 3 2 win over Beckham on Saturday. Uh, well, Seven Oaks and Hyde Town also boosted their playoff hopes uh, with weekend wins 3 0 over Irith and Belvedere and 2 1 at Burgess Hill, respectively. Ashford drew 2 2 at Merston. Phoenix Sports lost 4 2 at Lansing. And the previously mentioned leaders, Cray Valley PMB, East Greenstead by four goals to one. Uh, this weekend, Ashford at home to Horndean. It's bottom against Toppers. Beckham host Cray Valley PM. Seven Oaks go to Chichester. Ramsgate head to East Greenstead. It's Irith Belvedere against Herne Bay, Hythe host Sittingbourne, Phoenix take on Burgess Hill, Sheppey United at home to Merstham, and then on Tuesday night, Hythe host Littlehampton, all of this weather permitting, of course. Uh, into the Eastman League Premier Division now, where it was a red letter day for Margate, who finally recorded a victory on Saturday. Ben Greenhill with a first half hat trick to help see off Canby Island by three goals to two. Uh, I was out in London on Saturday, and I'm pretty sure that about five o'clock, I heard a huge sigh of relief coming from the Thanet area. Hopefully, Matt, this is the start of the turnaround. Yeah, massive, massive result for Ben Greenhill coming to the party with a hat trick. Um, he's brought in a few more players. Um, Mark Stimson under a little bit of pressure from what I'm hearing. Um, still, still a little bit dicey for them because um, sides around them have got a number of games in hand, and if they win that, Margate are in all sorts of problems. We did say two weeks ago it's it's four from five, and it's still going to be four from five. But Margate have just got to follow that through and get a couple of back-to-back wins if they can um, uh, uh, to try and get some uh, results. But hopefully that confidence and uh, people like Ben Greenhill, because people say that Ben Greenhill, when the, when the side's doing well, he's running the show, well, less so when um, uh, if they're struggling. But he's put that myth to bed with a, with a beautiful hat-trick at the weekend and that could be crucial for Margate. So, And I'm pleased for them because, you know, you think Dover have had problems, Margate have had problems some about 15 years now. I think that's one of the things as well. I kind of wanted to say that when we were talking to Nigel about the plan permission. I think yeah. Margate are still waiting for some plans that they put in about 15 years ago. Well, again, when I was there, they did have the diggers there. I haven't seen much on the social media, but knowing if that's the case, um, Ryan Day will be posting on a daily basis to show the fans that they're going in the right direction on that score. So, um, But results like Saturday in an exciting game will will appease the fans a little bit as well, but they definitely don't want to be relegated. But 
still a long way to go, but now the task for Margate, get back-to-back results if they can. Absolutely. Elsewhere on Saturday, Chatham won 3-0 at Lewis. Cray Wanderers 1-0 victors at Gates, relegation rivals Chessant. And Folkestone beating 3-2 at Whitehawk. Uh, Cray Wanderers are actually in action as we speak tonight, Matt, against Canby Island as he reaches for his phone to try and find out the latest score. 2-0 to count Cray. Oh, that's good Good times. Cray Wanderers looking like they are moving in the right direction as well. Uh, Margate will be looking at everybody else in the county this weekend to, to hopefully help them out. Uh, Chatham at home to Billericay. Cray Wanderers at home to Kingstonian. Uh, Folkestone also at home. They take on Concord Rangers. And Margate head to Haringey. Another one of those massive six-pointers for Mark Stimson's side. Uh, Folkestone then hosts Potter's Bar on Tuesday night when Cray Wanderers are at Whitehawk. Uh, into the scaffold now where Deal Town are in the last state of the FA Vars after a dramatic win at Bridgewater on Saturday. The original game was called off, so Steve King's men headed there this weekend instead, where they led 2-0, then were pegged back to 2-2, had Makamari sent off, and then went to penalties, where, of course, James Tonkin was the hero. Lincoln United next for the hoops. March the 9th, quarterfinals. A massive opportunity for them, Matt. Yeah. Tonks, before, he is the goal. You know, he's only plays in the cup games because the other keep them the standard goalkeepers um, uh, cup side. So, but yeah, He's a penalty specialist. And when it went off, and I when I see they were two up, down to 10, come back into it, oh, we go. But then when, you, when it went to penalties, you was confident that Deal would do it. So, again, I know absolutely nothing about Lincoln United. So, um, I do know enough of the fact about the FA Vars. Great Waker and Rovers are in there. And their uh, manager is ex-Dover and, Dar- Dover and Margate player in O'Connell. So, a little bit of fact. I've got no idea how Lincoln United are getting on. I will text Kingy and in, in probably in five words, he'll tell me how good they are. But fantastic day. And now you really are dreaming. Three games away from a trip to Wembley. Um, the league's looking good. It's a good time to be a deal, deal Town fan, I have to say, at the moment. And I'm delighted for everybody. Um, and uh, yeah, particularly Kingy. I'll tell you, they've beaten some names along the way. They beat Bugbrook St. Michael, I think it is, in, the, in one of the early rounds. Uh, and then Hena Town, Congleton Town. Uh, South Liverpool, and then they beat Hallam also on penalties uh, in that game uh, on Saturday. They are in the United Counties League, I believe. Right. Uh, so I'm going to now look up very professionally while everyone's talking. I'm going to look it up uh, and just have a quick look at the current form of well, Lincoln. Lincoln's United. quite a big place, so it can have two teams, I suppose, isn't it? So they are currently second in the yeah. uh, Premier Division North. Right. Any uh, other teams obviously. you've heard of in that league? Um, are you a fan of Sherwood Colliery? I've heard of them. Um, we've Shepshire got Charterhouse, they in them, something like that. Shepshire Dynamos, I think it was. They're not in that league. No. Uh, Hucknall Town, they've been a, a higher they've, in the period, they've, haven't they've they? Won the, but they've won the trophy, haven't they, Hucknall Town? Well, they've only got nine points this season in that division. Right. <laughs> um, you've also got Ashby Ivanhoe, brilliant names. Kimberley Miners Welfare, uh, Pinchbeck United, uh, Loughborough University, uh, Skegness Town, yeah, lovely. Some great places in there. Well, yeah, um, good so, luck for deal. We'll, we'll we'll preview that in a couple of weeks' time. Of course we will. Um, but yeah, the, uh, a massive tie for them up at Lincoln. And I think when you get to this stage now, you, you just want to win it, don't you? you? Don't you don't want to get knocked out at Lincoln on a on a Saturday in March, do you? No, not at all. 
And I'll tell you what, Deal looks, I think they've got a massive opportunity in the league as well. They've got seven games in hand, uh, which keeps them firmly in the title hunt. Informed Glebe still lead the way. They've got 65 points from 31. Currently the second with 56 from 27. Uh, Deal third, 55 from 24. Faversham, who lost at home to Lordswood on Saturday, have got 54 points from 29 games. Uh, Bissett, a fifth, a point behind Faversham from a game less. And despite their defeat to Glebe on Tuesday night, it's been a great run for Kev Stevens' men. Ten days or so ago, I went to see the Bears in action for the very first time as they took on fellow promotion hopefuls Corinthian and the Bears won it 3-1 thanks to two late late goals from Will Johnson Cole well technically the second one hit one of his teammates who was miles offside but he got the goal as far as I'm concerned it was it was going on target um, but the goal was not well received by the home faithful shall we uh, shall we say uh, I tried to keep both the interviews with these managers timeless and I started by asking Kev about that man Johnson Cole and his moments of quality yeah we said to the boys before we went out um Stay in the game, fight hard, which we're good at doing, and our quality hopefully will show come the end of the game. Which you got Will Johnson Cole out there who yeah, you, you watched the game, he was quiet, but then pops up and, and does what he does. So yeah, we said we said it's going to be hard. Corinthians play this this pitch so well, give, give them their due. so hard to play against. Played here for years, and it's always difficult here. Um, and they're probably disappointed that they didn't at least get a draw out of it, to be fair to them. At, at this level of football, you, you talk about Will there, and, and as you say, was quiet for a little, for periods of the game. But to have that in your in your locker is, is always a great commodity. And I guess as a manager, you have to bear in mind that, don't you? Yeah, do you know what? We we were saying all the, the all of the second half, I kept shouting onto our skipper to get the ball out to Will and get him in the game. He was so quiet. Um, and it doesn't surprise me, it's easier to say when he's gone and done it, but that's what Will Johnson Cole does. He smashes in goals like that. Um, we made a little tactical switch and put uh, our right winger, Jordan Tingley, at left back. And he can drive with the ball. And I think he changed the game a little bit, the way he drives out from left back and gave them something to think about. And that gives Will a bit more time and space as well. So, um, yeah, it's... it's yeah, it's fantastic to have players like that, to be fair. Generally speaking, you have put a brilliant run of form together and now you're in the playoff places. You've got to be so happy with how things are going. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah we're at, uh, when we spoke last, I, I said that you know, I didn't really want to talk about playoffs, but we are in there. Um, we're not really mentioning it to the boys, but you, know, you can't go unmentioned today that you're coming to Corinthians who, if they beat you, go nine points clear. If we beat them, they're only three points clear. So... Yeah, it's it's something we don't want to put pressure, heat pressure on the on the boys. But it comes to a stage we have to talk about it. I think. And and I suppose you know for you, momentum is is a massive thing in football. And it must, I suppose at the moment your team talks must be easy. Yeah, do you know? Yeah, do you know what? Every, every week, every week for the last seven eight weeks they've been easy. We've been playing well. It's probably the worst we played today. But stayed in the game because we fight hard. We've got a good side who are fighting, fighting, digging. That pitch is so heavy. Probably the heaviest I've ever seen the Corinthians pitch. Um, so, yeah, they, they are easy. I mean, and as I say, normally we are playing really well, moving the ball about well, keeping the ball off the opposition for long periods. But funny enough, against Corinthians today and Whitstable last week, we haven't played our normal game um, and got four points, which I'd probably take that in those two games. I was chatting to one of your fans behind the goal, actually, and we were talking about you know the clubs in this league and, and all the difficulties of it. And he said, you know, we've probably got a hardcore of about 60 supporters. So for you guys to be competing with the deals and the Fabershams at the top of the table, that's a, an unbelievable achievement. Yeah, yeah. And you, you know what? The, the, 
the supporters come and they're um, I think a lot of them have played for the club some of them have managed te- managed the teams in the club the first team the reserves when we had used to have a three and fourth um, men's team they, so you know you got some fellas who are, who are getting on a bit who are here every week supporting us and they're so supportive to me and they'll do you know what they'll tell me when we when we don't play well as well as well as when we play good um so it's all right, yeah, they, they keep keep me on my toes, really, to be fair. But they're, they're great supporters. And a run like this, and if you were to get into the playoffs going into the season, that really puts the club on the map, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, the club's going from strength to strength anyway. Um, you know, we've got 3G coming, um, we've got a new clubhouse coming, you've got Alessia Russo coming up to the club on the on the 29th to do a bit of press stuff for us. And, yeah, the club's, the club's growing, so the fan base is getting a little bit more. Those core supporters are always come, but we're starting to get a few more. Um, we're getting a few more hits on social media, on the website, so it's starting to grow. The, the buzz is there. It's, it's, it's the, the challenge of, of locations, Nick. You know, these guys have the same issue, and it's just trying to build and, and get people to to make an appointment to come and watch you on a Saturday and, and, and know where you are. And that's the biggest challenge. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we're trying to we're trying to get it out to schools. Um, we've had a lot of houses built round the round the ground actually in the last couple of years. So that's getting more and more people locally, which we're trying to tap into. Um, and I think having a nice club, new, nice new clubhouse um, in June 25, it starts. Uh, I think that helped help the club take off because it'll be, hopefully, we're going to use it as that community sort of base where people can come and live around all those local houses, watch games of football, watch football on the TV. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's growing. It's, it's, it's good stuff at the moment. As I just said to Michael, that the fact that you can finish fifth in this league and still get promoted has made a massive difference, hasn't it? Because you know, teams like yourselves, you'd be looking at the top two thinking, oh, we're a long way off that. But you've got that, that, that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. The season's just been... I remember sitting there, first, first training session in pre-season, early June, and thinking, my God, there's playoffs. Everyone's going to spend more money. It's going to be even harder. But the fact we're in it has just made for such an exciting season. That like these games, normally you'd be coming here exactly what you said, John. You'd be coming here. You're not going to come first or second. Sometimes that we'll never sack it off as a management, but players sometimes will go behind, or and then they, like it's hard to come back. And but every game you're in it, and that's what we're we're saying to the to the boys now. Like we're really in every single game, and you never know. Beastie might might be in the playoffs at the end of it. And just finally, we, when we spoke a few weeks ago, you said uh, you were planning on retiring at some point, but I'm guessing Mrs. Stevens' dreams of being down in the West Country somewhere are still over, are they? Yeah, yeah, just a little bit, just a little <laughs> bit, yeah. No, it's, um, listen, I, I, I always wanted to try to get us going up a level if we could, and we talked about already the things that make that hard, where we are, budgets, well, obviously the budget's gone through the roof this year for other teams. Um, but you know what? There's a dream at the moment, and... Coming here and beating Corinthians, who you know I rate highly, is is massive for us for the rest of the season. It gives us a real kick and a real buzz, so and a lot of confidence. First time I've actually met Kev in the flesh. Lovely bloke, uh, as is his coach Danny Wakeling. Really good to, get to meet them both, have a nice chat with them, and I was very impressed by the way his side just stuck on in there against Corinthian. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a massive result for them. Um, I mean, the um, the striker, he's the one that. Punjab was in that documentary, wasn't he? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He looks a player there. And again, he scores goals at this level. So he's been around the houses at a number of clubs, but um, clearly at Beerstead, he still leads the line well and looks a threat to you, I presume, John. Because Beerstead, again, we mentioned at the start of the season, there's probably 10 sides we thought could be up there. Beerstead, for me, probably wasn't one of them, but lining fifth place, 53 points. Um, 
and game-wise, on a par with some of the other sides, with a lot bigger budget and a lot bit more expectations, I would say um, it's it's a fantastic season for them so far. Um, and long may it continue. And, I'm, um, and he seems pretty confident the playoffs could be uh, in in their hands, which would be a phenomenal achievement. Yeah, I think they they played really well. Um, Johnson Cole played sort of uh, more wide on the left, really. Um, but they, they got in front early on, um, very early on. In fact, I was still walking uh, to the turnstiles uh, when they scored. Um, they got in front early on and they kind of, first half was a bit of a non-event after that. But then second half, I thought Corinthian really turned it on and they got level. They, they were playing some some nice football, much to the disappointment of their manager, I'm sure. Um, and it looked like there was probably only going to be one winner. And, and Johnson Cole was pretty quiet, to be honest. But then he just came to life. They got the ball to him, he cut inside, scored. And then they got the ball to him again, he cut inside and he scored again. And and I, I think that was the question where I went there, was, you know, sometimes if you're a manager, it must be tempting to look and say, well, he's not doing anything, I'm, I'm going to hook him, I'm going to get someone else on, try and shake it up. But if you've got someone who's just got that little bit of quality, who can make something out of nothing and win you a game, you stick with them, don't you? Well, exactly. Um, he knows his players more than every, anybody. Um, probably good that he didn't fancy. He, he, he wasn't going to just go for the point. He was going to go for the three. So at, at this level, you know, we know this this league, you do have a lot of goal scorers in it. But if you've got one um, who, who knows where the back of the onion bag is and who's got that extra bit of quality, it can make so much of a difference to them. So, yeah, I really... Um, uh, again, a really good, interesting season, Scaffold. Again, a lot of teams we thought would be doing better than they are and teams aren't. And Beerstead, one of the smaller sides, would be a phenomenal achievement if they could be playing um, uh, uh, Isbian League football next season. So uh, a long way to go still. But, you know, from what you've seen, John, they're not going to be overawed. No, and I think they're going to be hard to beat. And I think that's the... That's the key thing. And I think anybody who comes up against them knows they're going to be in for a game. And that's massive for Beersted. You know, you don't want people to think they're just going to be able to walk over them, which maybe in the past people have looked at it and thought, actually, do you know what? We can beat Beersted. But now I think teams know that they're going to be a tough nut to crack. And I thought they defended superbly against Corinthian 10 days or so ago. Obviously, I know they lost to Glebe on Tuesday night. But it doesn't mean... Uh, it's the end of the world for them. But I, I I can only say from what I saw, and I thought they looked a solid side. And it's kind of an advert for, you know, sticking with people and, and having people that are heavily involved in your club. And he said about the supporters, and I was chatting to a couple of them during the game, you know, people who've got a lifelong involvement with that football club, and they're the lifeblood of it. And now the challenge for them is to try and, you know, build on it. You know, it's difficult because obviously they're not even in business itself. They're, they're outside of there. You know, they want to be making a sort of, you know, if Maidstone are away, come and watch us. And, and you know, the only way to, to do that at that level of football is to win games of football. So people are going to come and watch them because they're going to be winning games of football. Uh, and at the moment they're doing it, um, you know, they're doing it. And as I say, I reckon they will think they can give anyone a game. And if they get into the playoffs, it'll be an amazing achievement. And they'll fancy their chances against anyone in a one-off mi- fixture. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um Again, disappointing against Glebe. And Glebe, I have to give them a bit of credit as well. It's very easy when they've played plenty more games to be worried about deal. But again, all they can do is beat the sides in front of them. And if they continue to do that, that puts pressure on deal as well. So, yeah, just yeah, it's just interesting. Just an interesting league again this year. There's going to be twenty plenty of twists and turns. You know, deal. I've got seven games on the side of um, 
some of these sides, but you know, their game's going to come thick and fast, and some of the other sides could benefit from Deal having too many games to play. Absolutely. It was the 10th time that I'd seen Corinthian on that Saturday and my first ever defeat uh, before their manager ran off, literally, to go skiing for half term. Uh, I also spoke to Michael Golding after what has been a rare defeat for them. Yeah, it's exactly what we just said to the boys after the game. So obviously, it's disappointing. Fair play to BSD. They took their three goals. They scored a very, very good goals, or at least two of the three. Um, but we just said to the boys, we've been on a 12-13 game unbeaten run. Can we go and replicate that again now? That's if we want to go and try and chase the teams at the top and, and be in and around the playoff picture, which at this stage of the season, we're probably in that discussion, then, then why not? We've got to go and have another good run, and, and we've been on that, so why not? I suppose the thing is, you've played all the top teams recently. You know, you've, you've played a lot of good teams, played a lot of football. Does it start to catch up with you at this time of year, especially when the pitches are heavy? Yeah, I think there's bits of that. The pitches are, are quite heavy, but if you ask any player, they probably want to play rather than train. So I think the momentum when you're on winning runs, um, the boys are just rolling Saturdays into Tuesdays. So yeah, it's one of those things you, you want to play. And obviously, there was an opportunity to put some points on the board today, and it would have been a good buffer with, with teams not playing and would have put a, a bigger gap between us and Beersted. But yeah, I think the momentum you get when you're winning games um, is brilliant. But what we've got to do now is harness the, the frustration and the disappointment from today and then go and do that again next week. It's, it's fair to say probably best at a surprise package in this division. Um, it's good for the league to have a team like them up the top. Yeah, I, th- I think when you look at what they've done historically, obviously they're, they're a mid-table side that have been improving. I think they've got... It is a good story. I think they've got the resources and the financial backing this year, which maybe isn't being acknowledged as much, but but they're as good as what we've played this year. Um, good at the back, midfielders were, were good today, and then obviously they've got the front boys up there that cause handfuls. So, yeah, in terms of where they'll be at the end of the season, I'd very much be surprised if they're not in the playoff picture. They're, they're as good as what we've seen. And, and for you, the challenges still remain, but I think you're in a better position now than you were this time last year, even though you're in the league below. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we've had that chat away from the pod. Um, it, it's completely different this year when you're winning games people want to come and play for you Um, I wouldn't say the phone's ringing non-stop but you're certainly getting more interest because as you and Matt said on the pod like when you're winning games people want to come and play and there's an opportunity um, for a little bit of success potentially this year but yeah we know what we are we we know we've got a long way to go Um, we're in a better position now than we were last year we're in a better position now than what I probably thought we would be at the start of the season if I'm being completely honest Um, but yeah like I say today's frustrating but the whole picture of things we're, we're not a million miles away um, we've not really been beaten up in too many games Glebe have come here and won uh, Beers obviously have come and beaten by, beat us by a couple of goals today but, but the whole thing we're, we're doing alright we, we're, we're finding ways to win and we're asking questions of teams which is pleasing As I said to King on the last show a brilliant title race this it must be fun to be involved in even though it's stressful when you lose Corinthian involved in the title race well you're there or thereabouts aren't you yeah I think probably up until today I think it's deals now um, realistically um, I'm not even trying to, um, no I, listen I think if we'd won today I think we could have been in that conversation and there's no hiding behind that like I said like if you want to put yourself in that position then yeah absolutely but I think the likes of Deal Glebe have won again today so we've dropped points we probably can still go above um, Glebe and Faversham I'm, I'm not going to pretend like Kingy does that we don't look at the league table because I know he does as well um but yeah, it's disappointing. So uh, will we still try and put as many points on the table as we can? Yes, we've got 13 games to go. We've got to try and get 39 points and then see where that puts us. Um, we've still got to play teams in and around us. We've got to go to Faversham. Dior have got to come to here. We've got Snodland here. So th- there's still a lot of football to be played. I'd rather be in this conversation than a conversation about relegation. So, And I think the boys would as well. So I think that probably tells you where we, where we want to be. And as you said a lot of times, the, the playoffs has just opened this right up, hasn't it? The fact that you can finish fifth instead of a shot of being promoted. Yeah, absolutely. You look at Beersted at the moment, sitting in fifth or 
potentially have gone up but before today they were fifth and like I say they're, they're one of the best sides we've played so it gives teams opportunities I think historically what's happened in the scaffold is you get to this time of the year and teams in eighth and ninth will make a, a conscious decision to cut budgets and then you'll play against a lot of youth teams there's teams that you know when you play against them at the start of the season they're really really good if they're not in and around it by February March the budgets are gone you're playing against under 18s and players that aren't as good so I think what the playoffs does it gives it makes the season exciting it's what people have been asking for for a long time um, the infrastructure in this level of football is slowly improving um, and I think like I say the, the money that teams like Beersteed and whoever else are now investing in sides to try and chase down those four playoff positions um, is probably is probably a good thing for the game I suppose you left this league after the two Covid seasons so look at five years ago the first, last full season that you played in, in the, at this level what, is, it, is there a start difference between then and now? Yeah I remember saying earlier in the season that I, I don't think this quality had improved and I think there's probably still elements of that I think I think the top end's probably not quite what it was although today I thought the second half was quite a good game of football for the neutral um, first half was a poor game of football but I think the top end's maybe not as good but I think what you've got is you've got more money and more resources in the bottom half of the table and people are spending more money on, on those kind of players um, which which is good and bad and people miss their money and it's not all about the money but obviously it helps you can bring in players and you can start moving things around but yeah I think I think overall like I said maybe I was a bit harsh last time in terms of the quality I don't think it's brilliant but I think it's a competitive league it always is in the scaffold um, it's always going to be tough you're going to be in battles and like I say Beersted have taken their chances today and fair play to them A new 403 games it is now where at your age, that's a phenomenal achievement. You got to be, you got to be really proud of that. I mean, it, I know you've had ups and downs, and everything like that, but it's a phenomenal achievement to, to stick it out this long and, and be wanted this long. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, I mean, I said to the boys after when we'd done a little presentation in the bar, and I remember winning the first few games when I took over, and then we lost seven games in a row. And I remember thinking maybe it's not going to get that, not going to be that long. But no, I think obviously it's never been about me. It's not about me at all. But to do 400 games at the same club. Uh, a club I love and, and a lot of the players Jamie Billings is close to 400 first team games now we've got I think it was 13 14 players have played over 100 120 games for the club so it's quite important um, the, the way that we do those kind of things but yeah on a personal level I'm, I'm really proud obviously we were, we played Kev when he had his 400th game earlier in the season which was nice to be involved in that as well um, so there's a bit of longevity I think often we see in pro football all the way down that t- managers get less than a season now and there's instant success expected and, and we certainly didn't have instant success it took out, we took our time we were mid-table for years and years and then it clicked um, we got in some experienced players who wanted to come in and play we had the younger players had learned their trade um, and then yeah from there we, we, we've gone from strength to strength and I think when I look back over the, the nine years I think we've improved the club I think we've improved behaviour attitude although my booking at the end maybe doesn't suggest that um, but no I, I, I think like like you say I think on a personal level it, it's really good there's been some there's been some good highs there's been some real lows um, and then, yeah, I think the, the question is how long do you keep going? Like, is the, the motivation there? And I'll, I'll be honest, when we when I spoke to you at the start of the season, I was honest and open, and I wasn't sure it was for me again this season. Um, but I think you've enjoyed it more than you thought you were going to. Yeah, I think so. I think there's definitely been a bit of that. I think there was a bit of a worry, um, probably in terms of an ego thing, in terms of coming back down to the scaffold, and are you going to be able to rebuild a side, and do players want to come and play for you? Um, but we, we've managed to put together a team that's competitive. 
Um, we, we've got a real good core of players. We've added Festos has come back in, who was with us last year. Um, but yeah, I think my worries and my concerns were that we were, were not going to be where we are. And it's not about necessarily going and winning the league. My, the aim is always, as you said last week, my aim is always to win the league. Absolutely every single season. Even last year it was to win the league. Um, but yeah, I think the enjoyment levels have enabled us to, when you're winning games, it's fun, isn't it? It's, it's no fun when you're, you're getting rolled each week. Well, it says about bouncing back. They have bounced back with victory at Wellington in the league on Saturday. 3-0 winning the Scaffold Challenge Cup semi-final first leg uh, on Tuesday night. And despite his protestations, they're still there or thereabouts, aren't they? Uh, right. Again, the best part of the comment was he said, I look at the league table as all managers do, which is good to see that they are uh, willing to do that. Yes, but it, but you have to, what I will say is his interpretation of it is completely different to everybody else's because they're bloody second and he's still saying they're not in the title race. I think they're definitely in the title race. And I think he knows that side he's got to play to at the end of the season. He's well prepared. Um, they know if they win all their four games and they go ahead of Glebe. Um, so, yeah, a good season for him. And I'm glad he's enjoying it a bit more, as he said. Last season was really tough for them. So, and it's interesting that it's easier if you've got a winning team, people want to come to you and the enjoyment's there. So, um, and again, he's learned a lot from last season, but probably a lot to learn a lot from this season as well. So, they are in the title run. He might not, title race. He might not believe it. Um, um, I'm sure he was um, on his ski slopes, um, enjoying himself, thinking, "Yep," yeah, smiling to himself, saying, "We've got a chance this season." Be it for the playoffs or even, I think you know, maybe a 40-60 chance of actually going up as promotion if you look at it as well as, as champions. I think so because it's all well and good saying Deal are, are in great form, you know, but they have got seven games to make up. If they're in the Vars as well. You know, that is going to be a, a strain on them. And that's not to say for a second that I doubt Deal Town in any way, shape or form. But sometimes these things ha- can have an impact on you. And, you know, I don't think if, a lot of people are still saying, oh, it's Deal's title to lose. I definitely wouldn't rule out Glebe. I think they've been excellent. Um, Faversham, who knows what's going to happen with them. You know, they haven't had that new manager bounce again. Um, and I don't know if maybe they might need to have a summer under Tommy Wobbelow before they can really push on and, and, and maybe next year dominate like we all thought they would this year. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's still very much wide open, you know, to, to be at this stage of the season and still have teams with so many games left to play. I think that's that, that's the key thing, isn't it? You know, they've got, Deal have got another 14 games left to play in the league. So that's where it's going to be. When you look at it that way, that, that can be difficult, can't it? And, you know, I think any of those top four or five, I think any of them could still win it. It's just been a bit more consistent now. Right, all game of the season. A deal, they will be playing. They're still in the cup, two cup competitions. Again, people will say they'd rather play than train, but it might catch up with them at some point. Um, if they go out with the, the Vars in heartache or whatever, or get to the semi-final and you think, well, players will be more concerned about Wembley. So these other sides are going to think about, just concentrate on our game. Don't worry about anybody else. So uh, it's it's... If you looked at it on paper or gave it to somebody to look at, they'd probably say, oh, deal or win that. But it, it, it's not a gimme at the moment, I would think. It's, it's a long way to turn in the next two months. Oh, absolutely. As I said about Ryan Maxwell and Cityborn, all you can do is win your games and see where it takes you. Uh, we now know that the Kent Senior Trophy Final at the Gallagher Stadium in April will be between Irith Town and, Co- and 
now. Irith Town and Croydon after the first division side beat Whitstable 2-1 on Tuesday night, uh, with Irith Town having beaten Larkfield and Newhive 8-2 on Saturday in their semi-final. Uh, Croydon also in the London Senior Trophy final as well, a competition I would never normally mention, uh, had Croydon's Ryan Hall not scored oh, after three that. seconds in their semi-final against Cockfosters Reserve. That's what, three seconds. Have you seen that, Matt? I have done. Um, Incredible. Uh, one of the things I did notice was that some of the Croydon players were wearing very ill. The kits were very tight on them. So to speak, these <laughs> players in the celebration. So uh, I have to say, fair play. He's absolutely welling it from the uh, toe punting it from the centre circle into the back of the net. So uh, a record breaker. I always thought the record goal was about six seconds about 10 years ago. But it seems to get um, uh, goes down and down every year. We're going to be doing... You're probably going to be doing better to beat that. I mean, that is insane, isn't it? <laughs> right, again, I know how difficult when I've been on the pitch at Crabble trying to kick a ball for the use about three yards. I couldn't get it three yards. So absolutely <laughs> the power of we got it into it. Fair play. And it whistled over the goalkeeper. So uh, that, that's what they kids say has gone viral, isn't it? Yeah, kick the ball three yards. Are you, uh, you, you playing on Saturday? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, in the league on Saturday, Bearstead beat Rustall 3-0. Lords were 2-0 up after six minutes on their way to that 3-2 victory at Faversham. Glebe won 4-0 against VCD. Lidtown 2-1 winners of Hollands and Blair, uh, where Scott Porter earned his first winning charge against his former club. Uh, Punjab were 2-1 winners over Stansfeld. Snodland beat Sutton Athletic 2-0. Tunbridge Wells beaten 1-0 by Fisher and Corinthian beat Wellingtown 2-1. Uh, much like Welling United, as we spoke at length earlier on, Wellington also on the move this summer after agreeing a five-year deal to move to play at K-Sports, which means the current Cobdown base side will be moving on. There's no official confirmation of where yet, um, but I've heard from a few sources that the team managed by the sons of Sheppey United boss Ernie Batten are heading to Sheppey uh, for next season and beyond, possibly under the moniker Sheppey Sports. Um, and Dan Bradshaw uh, and Javon Splatt have both been playing 4K Sports uh, over the weekend to keep up their fitness. So I think it's probably safe to say uh, that, the, that the links between those clubs are set to get stronger. Um, we talk about Welling United moving to Tunbridge. Well, Welling Town are moving to Maidstone. What, what, what do you make of that one, Matt? Um, interesting. Well, maybe... Uh... The uh, borough of London, is it? Or probably a Kent of Welling. Maybe they can put more places on for uh, green land rather than building houses. Maybe they can help the community out a bit better if, if the local sides are not playing in the area, which is not good for, from a community point of view for Welling. If you're a kid but affiliated to a club, you've got to go to these places. So um, that's a little bit concerning. But um, football is a strange uh, business at times. It is, and I'm I, I hoping to speak to the Welling uh, Town manager, owner, Kevin Oakes, at some point. So I guess it's better to have a home than no home, and they've had that problem of of, of having no home, but we shall see uh, how that goes. Stansfeld also on the move after the announcement at the end of their seven-year ground share at Glebe. Uh, haven't announced where yet, but they lost 2-0 to Lordswood uh, on Tuesday night. So that brings you up to date with all the results in the scaffold. Uh, this weekend, it's Corinthian against Tunbridge Wells, Deal against Punjab, Town against Beersted, Faversham against Sutton Athletic, Fisher against Town, Hollands and Blair against Wellingtown, Lordswood against Rustall, Stansfeld against Kennington, Snodland against Homesdale, Whitstable against Glebe. On Tuesday night, it's Punjab against VCD Athletic, Rostal against Lidtown, Tunbridge Wells against Beersted, and on Wednesday night, Snodland host Fisher. At the second legs of both Challenge Cup semi-finals, also next Tuesday, Corinthian have a 3-0 lead to take to AFC Whiteleaf and deal with 2-1 up ahead of their second leg at Irith Town. Uh, in the first division, there was three games on Saturday, a 2-1 win for AFC Whiteleaf over Canterbury. K-Sports drew 3-3 with Brydon Ropes and Staples Monarchs beat Greenways. 
4-1. And I just want to pick out another result from the previous Saturday, Matt. Uh, I don't know if you saw this one, uh, but it finished Greenways nil, Larkfield and New Hive 9. Uh, you don't get many of them to the dozen, do you? I think Mansfield scored 9 the other day. No, you don't. But um, disappointing for uh, Greenways and hopefully they can bounce back from that. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've often talked about Greenways a lot on the show because they do get involved in a lot of uh, high-scoring games, but they are at the foot of the table this season. Uh, they can see the most goals of anyone in the division, so hopefully they can uh, put that behind them and move up the table um, because who knows what's going to happen next season in this after this 16-league. Teams may, be, may survive or be reprieved or who knows what. Uh, this weekend, Canterbury City are at home to Lewisham Borough. It's Forest Hill Park against AFC Whiteleaf. Greenways take on Rochester United. Meridian VP against Sporting Club Thamesmead. Stabless Moments against Larkford and New Hive. And Tooting Beck against Croydon. And that just leaves with the National League where Bromley won an absolute thriller against the leaders Chesterfield on Saturday. Beating the Sparks 4-3 at Hayes Lane. And Michael Cheek hat-trick. Uh, Andy Woodman's side scored twice late on to come from behind and earn that win. Uh, the gap at the top though is still 19 points. Uh, after Bromley were held to a 2-2 draw against Dagenham on Tuesday night. But at the other end of the table, back-to-back wins for new Ebbs Fleet boss Danny Searle. Firstly, being Eastley on Saturday, who then sacked their manager, Richard Hill, uh, and then against relegation rivals Woking on Tuesday night. That took them outside the drop zone and goal difference. And I wouldn't say it's tight in the bottom half of that table, but Ebbs Fleet are 20th, and they're four points behind Dagenham, who are 11th. Um, if they can maintain the momentum that they've currently got, I reckon they'll be all right, won't they? Yeah, I think. I'd love it if Woking got relegated, mate. Well, they're firmly in it now, aren't they? Yeah, exactly, which is which is wonderful to see. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I think Danny Searle is a, a good appointment, really. Um, he did a decent job at Aldershot, um, knows his level, um, and, he, and he's clearly managed to get something out of the Ebbsfleet players. We knew Ebbsfleet, I say, I thought Ebbsfleet would be nailed on for the playoffs. Um at the start of the season, it hasn't worked out for them. But Danny Sells come in, made them. I think the result against Oldham, where they nil nil, where they, a they kept a clean sheet, which has been a struggle all season, and b the result against Chesterfield must have given them so much confidence that you know last season they went into games knowing they would get results, and I think with the last few weeks or since early October November time, that wasn't the case. And he just put a little bit of confidence in, get confidence into the players. And I, it is tight down there. I think Ebbsfleet have got enough quality um, and I'm sure they can get players in if they needed to, if Danny Searle wants them as well, uh, to get out of this hole. Um, yeah. It, you know, I think the Ebbsfleet fans were happy Dennis Retrieve went and I think they're probably even delighted that Danny Searle's turned it around. So, um, yeah. Uh, and again, it's all about survival for uh, Ebbsfleet and at the moment, they're going in the right direction. I can't believe how tight that all is at the bottom. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. What you got four points between ten teams, is it? Yeah. Again, eventually teams like Maidenhead. I didn't realise that South End must have been on a bad run because I think their win at the week, four points, I think, of the last two games has really helped them out. So, to be honest, I would say Oxford are gone, um, and I'm hoping Woking are also the same. Because Woking have got, you know, got Alex Alexei Andre Jr. in goal. All right. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. So um, <laughs> when he was in goal for Dover's when they were that season, and yeah, Woking. I get a strange one for my game. We shouldn't talk about other teams. Woking got to the playoffs last season. Had an absolute shocker. They weren't good against Ramsgate in the cup. But uh, I, I, I've got a funny feeling that some of the smaller clubs in this division who've been punching their weight, aka maybe the uh, the Maidenheads and maybe the Wildstones could be the ones that go down and um, 
certain clubs going back to their natural levels, I would probably say, John, if you know where I'm coming from. Absolutely. I understand what you're saying. Message understood. Bromley head to Eastleigh for lunchtime kickoff on Saturday. And then Fleet travel to face the team directly below them in the table as they go to face Dorking Wanderers. That brings you all up to date. I told you we'd have a bumper show. A long show this week, mate. I know, but it's been good though, hasn't it? Yeah, really good. Really. Again, sometimes uh, as it's been a long season for me, football-wise, with not much (laughs) success. um, And I thought, a break in the pod, John. It's got to be reinvigorated. When I look at that Skeffle League and the Isthmian South East, you think, Christ, how exciting are these leagues? So it's going to be really exciting. Because the season start, finishes like quite early in April, doesn't it? It's not, it's not they say that it's the second to last weekend in April. So, yeah, because um, you want to get because the playoffs tend to be over their bank holiday yeah. weekend at the start of May. So. so it really is, you know, we're nearly in, well, this time next week we'll be nearly in, in March. It, it's coming to the business end of the season. And there's so many twists and turns going to happen. It's going to. It's. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's 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 great. You know, it's it's been. Uh, it, it has been a, an amazing season, and, and you know we're so lucky that so many of our teams are doing so well. And, and of course, we really appreciate you know all of our contacts who help us out with everything like this. So you know, really good to 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 get back to it this week. I I, I did miss it last week. I, I'm not going to lie, I did miss it, but I had a lovely week. So. Um, you know, one of those was doing. Do you know what it made me, John? Go to bed earlier, mate. You know how much I like that, that as well. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I've, I've, because I've not been very well, I've actually been working from home this week and I've still been staying up till two, three o'clock in the morning. I, I think I've got some sort of problem. I just well, can't. Because well, when I send you this and it tells me when you've downloaded the file, that is some ridiculous time. <laughs> I'm thinking, what are you doing, mate? So, yeah. I know. But it, well, it all depends on on various things but yeah I, I will download it at, at some point i'll download it earlier for you tonight mate just so that'll make you feel better yeah exactly um i'll try and get i might try and get this one edited before midnight for a change who knows yeah. uh you've been up to anything else exciting uh, uh no not really no i had a week we went, took, took went out for a couple of days last well day off work last week um no nothing just standard stuff mate really did you standard. enjoy pancake day yeah I, the kids always have the eye with the ice cream i have it with um, ham and cheese so uh, um, that was that I made a nice Victoria sponge at the weekend which was nice um, sort of over twice this week which probably wasn't oh <laughs> no, yeah so yeah just frustrated I don't want to talk about it it's just so annoying but get, I mean, just numb to it people who've listened to this show it now and again <laughs> if I'm numb to it there's the 400 <laughs> people who aren't going anymore don't give a monkeys so you know that's well, what people who've listened to this show over the years will know that you know we've always had a fair share of Dover interviews, and you know what? You always used to send me the Dover interviews. You don't even bother anymore. Right? No. I don't think I've heard from Jake LaBelle in in weeks. No. Um, I'm assuming it's all just uh, the same old stuff every week. And and yeah. you know, to be, I, to be honest, we I think if we had a striker again who could score 15, we would we wouldn't be in any trouble because we create chances. Can't bloody score. And, and again, just can't bloody score. You think, ah, oh. yesterday's game, it summed over up. Um, I said in the commentary there, Dembele threw on goal. First touch, dreadful. Second touch, straight to the goalkeeper. Bounces <laughs> back to him. He hits it, hits the crossbar, comes to Nikaj. Basically, the goalkeeper is all he's going to do is hit the target. And one place where the goalie is, he smacks it. And you think, oh, here we go. Same old stuff. But. Yeah, again, my concern is I'm numb to it, you know, getting a little bit blasé about it. I don't really care anymore. And that's not like me. And you can see why people are, are not going to see Dover. They're going to see Deal. And that, to me, that is really concerning. And there's, and again, 
I'll say it again, something's got to happen at the top. Otherwise, we're going nowhere and could be in the levels of deal and it's so annoying. I, th- I think that's a, the, the thing as well is it's not as if when, I'm going to say it, Matt, when you go down next season, it's not as if the Eastman League is a weak league. And no, I, I know you've obviously had this before, what, 15 years or so ago, where you yeah. dropped all the way down to to the what is now the Eastman League Southeast level. And I would fear it's just a malaise, isn't it? That, that's that's the thing. It's it's yeah. a mentality around the club. And, and yeah. you know, I, I, oh, I feel sorry for you. You know, people know I take the mick. And but I do genuinely feel sorry for him because I know what it's like to a whole year you know, go and watch it. A whole, <laughs> okay, a whole year, twenty-five games, and then one-one. Maybe I should do another one of those packages like I did after your uh, for your twenty years. I'll get everyone to do one for a year since you said don't go win. And of course, the next game they play at home is against Maidstone. So oh, easy. Cake well, after Maidstone not Coventry out the FA Cup, maybe they'll just be blase yeah. about it all. <laughs> Um, yeah, but anyway, um, I watched the whole drama series yesterday uh, called After the Flood that was on January, February time oh, on ITV. It was really good, but I'm going to raise an issue here. Now, is it about under- No, well, there was, there was a flood in it. Oh. So, um, But the issue I'm going to raise is trigger warnings. Now, these weren't a thing until five years ago. Um, and, you know, I understand that it's difficult for people. You know, I understand there are things that people don't like to be reminded of and they like to have these warnings. But in one of the episodes, um, there was a thing flashed up on the on the screen. Um, trigger warning images of suicide. Right. Fine. You need to warn people of that. However, that was the cliffhanger to the episode. So all through <laughs> the episode, I'm thinking, well, there's going to be some images of suicide coming up here and then it's right at the bloody end and you're like you've spoiled it do you know what i mean the site like, I, I was just a bit like did did, did you have to you know I, I i get it but also i was like that really took the drama away from that bit because when she walked up to the door you were like well he's obviously not gonna be alive is he but there you go um well i've been I, watching I, the bear he's bear on disney the big program that won all the emmys um very very good program <laughs> Good. Well, I'll get on to that. Very good. You haven't seen one day yet. Everybody's banging on about that. No, I think uh, I think Fee started watching it. Um, but uh, yeah, everyone is banging on about that. Um, but yeah, I might stick that one on at some point. Um, there was uh, a couple of other bits and pieces I was I was going to watch. Um, but yeah, there's there's so much on, isn't there? Yeah, I've been watching uh, Gladiators. Have you watched oh, Gladiators? Of course. Yeah, amazing. What what a show! Brilliant. Um, uh, again, why do they have that ridiculous bit when they're in the um, dressing room? That's oh, just I ridiculous. Don't know. Yeah. And again, does Bradley, a big fan of the chase, by the way, and his son, I don't know what his son's name is. Um, but um, they offer nothing. No. They're not they're not Ulrika and John, are they? No, or even Jeremy Guscott. Did he do it as well? Yeah, he to go from Fash. <laughs> that is a fact. Not many people know that. Good, good, sure good quiz did. question. I'm sure I'm sure he did. I remember when you had to see COVID quizzes, I'm sure. I'm sure Jeremy... You never see him anymore, do you, Jeremy Guscott? I don't watch rugby. No, but you never see him. He became the Gladiators' co-host in 1997 after John Fashion had a two-year break. 58 now, Jeremy Guscott. Yeah. Yeah, so... But no, yeah, we've been enjoying... Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Keep with it. Get rid of Bradley and his mate, so I would say. 
And I'm, I'm going to say this through the means of a podcast when I'm miles away from him. Have you ever seen a worse baddie than Viper? It doesn't say anything. He doesn't say anything. Yeah, no, he yeah, yeah. offers nothing. No. Not for me. Well, I, I'll take it. If the person who wins this, will they be classed as... They didn't do that. Would, you, would they become a gladiator? Surely that's one part of the programme. I don't know. You'd think they might have a chance. Because one of the one who's full of himself, legend, he is from Folkestone, isn't he? Is he? built a massive industry on it. And um, <laughs> he's, he's friend of the show, funny. Stephen O'Brien, former deal player, um, used to work with him. And now he's like worth £4 billion, this guy. So, well, wow. There you go. He's I, he makes One of our laugh. own. He makes me laugh when he takes the mic and does the whole, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was amazing. You know, he, he's a much better baddie than Viper. Yeah, um, so, and if you're listening, yeah. Viper, I don't mean it. I love you. You're nice. Uh, anyway, thank you everybody for listening to this week's show. You can find us on social media uh, where Matt made a big fuss of us having 2,000 followers. Well, we've lost four. Uh, we're back we? tonight. Yeah, I don't know what, what, what I said or did. Might have been when I accidentally spelt Tunbridge Angels wrong uh, when I <laughs> broke the news about Welling in the week. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, you can follow us a on. bit harsh. You don't know who they were, do we? Maybe their Please accounts got suspended or banned. I don't know. Come back. Yeah. But follow us if you're not already following us at Kent and on Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as well. As well. Search for Kent and Only Podcast. Uh, or you can find the group Kent and Only Football Chats, which is always busy. Uh, and always uh, some good chat going on in there all the time. We're on threads and Instagram as well, Kent, at Kent and Only Podcast. Basically doing all of the socials well, some of the time. Uh but yeah, it's been a take an in, take a breath there because I do have a cold. Matt has a cold. I don't know how we've done this, but we've done it. Um, thank you everybody for listening to this week's show. And we'll speak to you next week when hopefully we're both healthier on the Ken Ollie podcast. Please follow us back to get to 2000. I love being it. Things like that make me happy when it's a nice round number, not a crazy number. <laughs>